Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi, welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. Here we're looking at many different ways to improve our health and have our body heal going toward natural wellness. Well, included in this is our vision. Most of us, as we get older, we can't read anything that's near us without glasses and all sorts of things happen to our visions, cataracts, glaucoma, etc. However, today, we're going to learn about natural approaches to improving our visions. These techniques will include approaches to nearsightedness, farsightedness, macular degeneration, glaucoma, and cataracts. This means we might be able to throw away our glasses. Today, we have Mayor Schneider, who uses these techniques that combine breathing, unique body work, movement, and visualization techniques that can help anyone become more aware of their body and be empowered to take charge of their own healing. He's applied his method of self-healing to help others suffering from other um, degenerative conditions such as polio, muscular dystrophy, multiple sclerosis in a natural way. So, uh, Mayor Schneider is a world scholar in the field of natural vision improvement and self-healing through movement. He was born with congenital cataracts to death patients. He underwent five unsuccessful surgeries that left him with massive scar tissue. He was raised reading Braille until he discovered eye exercises at the age of 16. This helped him develop his vision from 1% to 70%. Now he can read and drive. He teaches worldwide and people come from all over the world to his school and center in Ocean Beach in San Francisco. He's the author of the book, Yoga for Your Eyes, the book, Kit for Natural Vision Improvement, also Movement for Self-Healing, Awakening Your Power of Self-Healing, and Vision for Life. His books and programs have been translated into 20 different languages, and he believes strongly in self-healing without limit. So, welcome. Hey, so nice to be on your show, and I'm so happy that uh, you can get to such a wide audience in the world because I travel all over the world and teach all over the world. Uh, So it's it's interesting. I'm going to go to um, uh, Barcelona uh, on... uh, October 12th, and teach uh, people there how to improve their body, but also practitioners of natural vision improvement, how to work with low vision patients, which I'm specialized in. Um, And um, I'm going to go to Paris. From there, I'll take a train to Paris. And uh, towards the end of October and the beginning of November, I'll be teaching classes there also to uh, most people, but then specific to practitioners of natural vision improvement and teach them how to work with low vision. For example, I just now had a girl who was born with cataracts and could hardly see anything, and now from at least a a space of five feet, she can read most of the eye chart. And so I'm able to help people with low vision to improve the vision and people with normal vision who just lost some vision to improve. 
because I started with low vision myself. As you said, I was born with cataracts, which is unusual. Uh, only one out of 20,000 infants are ever born with cataracts. But it's very usual to have cataracts in an older age. And um, I'm able to help people to uh, stop the cataract from growing, prevent cataract surgeries from happening. And all that is written in my book, um, Vision for Life, which people can easily uh, get because the book is still a best-selling book uh, in Amazon, and it's selling worldwide in many languages. So I'm so happy to be on your show and to get to so many people from so many countries. Well, it sounds like you're already getting to many different countries and many different people, but this is important. So tell me a little more about your story. I mean, how, how did you come up with doing exercises, and how did you figure this out? It's very interesting. I uh, was born to deaf parents in um, Ukraine, in Lvov. Um, uh, and I had... Uh, uh, we went to Poland on our way to Israel, and in Poland they did one surgery on my eyes, and then we went to um, uh, Tel Aviv, and there they did four more surgeries in Israel, and my surgeries were so unsuccessful that they left me with 99% scar tissue in my lens. And I got a blind certificate for good from the state of Israel uh, that gave me all kinds of rights, like having uh, discount uh, telephones and discount electricity um, from social services. But it was really interesting that, um, that uh, everybody thought that my fate will be as a blind, blind person. And... Um, <clears throat> When I approached my 17th year, I met a kid who had shown me eye exercises in the Bates Method, and I immediately worked with him diligently and inevitably developed many, many other ways of working with the eyes. I spent 13 hours a day working on my eyes while doing other things, while being in high school. I kept working on my eyes quite a bit, and I improved my vision over a period of 10 years, from 1% to 50, and then for the next 15 years, I got from 50% to 70% of normal vision. And it's so interesting that my vision until this day, and I'm right now uh, in my 68th year, going quickly on 69th, my vision is only getting better. And that is the opposite of what most people experience. They can have wonderful vision in their childhood and okay vision in their prime, and then the vision deteriorates with so many people. And that could be completely prevented with the work that we do. And I've described the principles of that in my book, Vision for Life. Uh, I remember when I wrote my first book, which was called Self-Healing My Life and Vision, which is... Um, uh, the base of the uh, book Movement for Self-Healing, which is still in print, uh, I've, uh, I felt like I was so exposed, like uh, everything that I have came out in writing. And the incredible experience 
of uh, progress through movement and through acceptance of nature. So in the book Vision for Life, I give real practical ideas of how you preserve your vision. And number one, I'm telling everyone, never strain to see. If you don't see something, accept that. Don't uh, tense. Put more light. Use glasses. Use magnifiers. But don't ever tense to see. But the second thing is, be aware of your normal tension. And your normal tension is such that um, it's so great that you're not aware, you're benumbed to it. And uh, this is the thing that I'm demonstrating all the time. Like I did yesterday in a lecture here in Quebec City, where I'm talking from. So, for example, the audience at home, look out of the window for a moment. I'm seeing a beautiful tree. Then put your uh, palm on your nose and look at the different lines of your palm. Then look back outside of the window or at some, somewhere distant in your room and put your palm on your nose again. And 90% of the people, especially people who are older than 30, um, immediately feel strain looking at something so close. And the same is true, although to a lesser extent for that moment, about computers and smartphones and televisions and, um, and books. So the more people are looking in dim lights from near, the more they strain your eye, their eyes, but they don't feel that they strain their eyes. So, for example, my suggestion, which is in my book, Vision for Life, is look at a distance every day for 20 minutes. Four minutes, and then six minutes, and then four minutes, six minutes. It's so hard for people to do it for four minutes at a time. Look, scan the horizon, and that's why our center is by the beach, near the waves. It's so pleasant to look at them. And then look from near, and that's going to rest the muscles of your lens. And you will prevent that way cataracts, which happen not like in my case where I was born with it, which is a result of some chemical imbalance. But it happens because the lens becomes so convex because of tension of the muscles that eventually it becomes rigid. The cells of the lens starts to be crowded and uh, the only thing the doctors do when they become becomes opaque is remove it. There's a way to save it. Now, if you're going to look at the distance and relax. And we have a principle of adaptation to the strong sunlight. Now, most people are afraid of sunlight. Doctors warn us from the sunlight, but we need that sunlight. I'm very much against sunglasses unless you drive straight to the sun, then you need them, but then it's good to have weak ones if the visor is not good enough, or if the road is very glary, from time to time you put them on, or in the snow. But in all other occasions, adapt to the strong sunlight, because as you adapt to the strong sunlight, your pupils become uh, constricted, your vision is much better, and your whole nervous system is relaxed. Well, if you don't adapt to it, wearing sunglasses, being too much indoors, 
your pupils become sluggish and it's hard for you to have fixation. And to explain to the audience what fixation is, look at any object and look at it through your fist. And you can see that if you make a little hole in your fist, you can see that object better. That's why we have pinhole glasses where you can look through different holes in those glasses. So adapting to the sun is very important. At the same time, adapting to the dark is very important. Uh, these days, there is no dark. People um, uh, cannot look at stars very well for most cities because there's too much halo and too much light. And so uh, it is proven that children that sleep with um, light in the hole basically uh, develop a high myopia, which is very high nearsightedness, which is very dangerous. It can lead to retinal detachment and glaucoma and macular degeneration and other kinds of problems. So it's important to be in total darkness when we sleep, and it's important to adapt to the strongest light we can. And we talk about expanding our peripheral vision, which is so important because it gives us a better sense of where we're in space, and at the same time, looking at small details to wake up the macula and to prevent macular degeneration, which is the greatest problem this day. So you look at the smallest details because the macula is only a percent and a half of the full retina. So this becomes a very, very important thing, learning to look at small details. And yesterday I was teaching people to look at letters they cannot see. They're so small, that diamond print, and then look at normal letters. And if they didn't strain to see them, the normal letters become much clearer because they learn to look at smaller details. So my daughter, who was born with cataracts, my two kids were born with cataracts, uh, through her weaker eye, which in her case is the right eye, she counted petals in flowers when she was eight. And she was able to count 200 petals in one minute, which is <laughs> a record. Uh, it's hardly ever done. But she was able to do it with her young brain. And the result was that her vision is uh, only second to her brother. Normally, you see a third of normal vision when they do the cataract surgery from infancy uh, well. Uh, but in my case, I had 1% because they didn't do it well. But in her case, instead of seeing a third, she's seeing 100%. And there's more stories about that. But what I want to say is, even though she didn't have a lens, because it was removed, they didn't put an implant because she was two weeks when it was removed. And that's what medicine discovered. It's important to do it before the brain develops vision at the age of eight weeks. But even though she didn't have a lens, just looking from point to point at small areas helped her develop uh, the uh, macula so well that it compensated for the deficit of not having a lens. And she sees incredibly well. So uh, my story is I was born with cataracts to deaf parents. My kids were born with cataract to a knowing father. And I struggled and spent hours with my kids on the vision. And the result is they see better than anyone who was born with cataract. I improved my vision from 1% to 70%. And I teach people all over the world 
to realize their potential with exercises. Wow. So are you saying that your daughter has no lens and can see well? Yes, yes. So here is the story. In the past, what, do- what doctors did to help kids like her is that at the age of few weeks, they gave her strong contact lenses to just see from near, like magnifying lens. If you can Im- imagine the normal diopters for most people is three or four diopters. Her was 33. 33 diopters. And then we reduced it and reduced it. At the age of 10, it's the first time that she saw 2020. That was very interesting. And now, without glasses, she can see about 75% of normal vision. And with glasses, she sees 100%. And she reduced her diopters from 33 to 11. <clears throat> so she doesn't have a natural lens. But uh, I can tell you she drives. Uh, she actually has a very nice government position because she studied um, in George Washington University and uh, in England in uh, the College of London. And she um, is helping house the homeless in San Francisco. Her achievement is huge. She was able to get 15% reduction in the homeless. And so she's in a high position in the city of San Francisco and she is reading and reading, and so she has no problem reading, no problem driving, and somebody who was born with cataracts. Well, me driving was my biggest life achievement that I'm able to drive, and due to the relaxed laws in California, even though my vision is only 70% of normal vision, I was able to extend my driver's license several times from the age of 28 to now the age of 68, so I'm able to drive all these years without any problem. Of course, I'm very careful. I uh, don't make any um, daring moves. For me, a daring move is being on the road, and I drive in the city very comfortably, and I drive in the highway very comfortably, but you would see me driving in a boring way, just sitting in the middle lane uh, in uh, in in front of the car behind me and behind the car in front of me without wiggling and moving, just changing lanes when it's necessary. And that's what I've done all this year, and that's what I'm doing right now, which I'm so proud of. For me, the driver's license was like a Nobel Prize. For my two kids, the driver's license was easily obtained in terms of their vision, and they had no problem reading what's on the charts. That was great. Wow. So you said that we can prevent the progression of cataracts. Can we reverse them? Uh, We can prevent them, but I want to tell you something interesting anatomically. Um, The lens is the only part of the eye that forever grows. The cornea doesn't. It's fixed size from a certain age. Uh, The retina changes layers. They rebuild and get destroyed all the time but uh, they don't change size. The lens does change size. If you have beginning of cataracts and you look a lot at the distance, I say you look 40 minutes a day at the distance, first with both eyes looking, scanning the horizons, then covering the strong eye and just looking with the weaker eye at the distance and then looking with both and then imagining the distance, you can definitely... Uh, stop the cataract from progressing 
the lens then expand its size and your vision remain where it is, if not better. For example, my partner was diagnosed with cataract 10 years ago with no change now, and she has excellent vision in both eyes. And she's 66, right? And um, I had the lady who came to me with corneal problem. We worked on that, but then we also worked on her cataract. And the doctor saw it 10 years later, said, I don't know what you're doing, but the cataract did not change and her vision did not change either. So it was normal. So um, uh, I could say that uh, it's, it's very important for us from young age to engage with nature and to look at a distance. But then once we are diagnosed with some cataract, it is very, very important for us to look at a distance. And it's such a relief for the eyes and for the whole body when we do it. What can you do for farsightedness? Another thing comes with age. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting that in the past, uh, people became farsighted in their 50s, and these days they become farsighted in the late 30s. It is what people get normally uh, in their early 40s, but more and more people at the age of 38 and 39 become farsighted. There's a lot you can do for it. Number one, you can uh, learn to strengthen your ciliary muscles, the muscles of the lens. So a great exercise I give to people is to look at print in strong light. First of all, before you wear glasses, increase your light. Um, if you go to a restaurant, then take the, uh, a flashlight, or there is those who have smartphone have light in the smartphone and light the menu instead of uh, uh, instead of uh, trying to wear glasses in a dark room. But normally, try to read in the sun. You sit in the shade, and with a glass of water, of course, you wash your face with cold water, so you will not be too warm in this summer. And then you, re- you put the page in the sun, and it's easier to read. Number two, uh, you put your two fingers on the bridge of your nose, and you lower them down all the way to your lips and back to the bridge of your nose, and you try to see your fingernails, and then look at the page again. So what happens to your muscles? They really tighten, like weightlifting. Another thing I do, I tell people to put uh, a small piece of paper with masking tape over the strong eye and read huge print, but so close that the nose touches them with the weaker eye. And again, it's described very well in my book, Vision for Life. And so you read this huge print from near, and it really bothers you because you put it from near, exactly where your muscles cannot easily contract. And when you take the paper off and put the page in a normal distance, you see normally. So that's where, again, what I was telling you before, looking at details, always paying attention to small details, looking at small print but without straining to see that print, and then looking back at the large print. Yesterday, in an exercise I've done in a lecture in Quebec here, uh, we didn't have the sun because it was an evening lecture, so we um, looked at print and turned all the lights off and then turned the light back on. And the pupils expanded and then they contracted and people could see the print way better. So we exercise 
first of all, the muscles of the lens by putting things really close to the eyes and then relaxing. We relax by looking at a distance. We look at details and we strengthen our pupils. And there is a wonderful exercise called sunning where you close your eyes, you face the sun, and you move your head all the way from side to side, chin to shoulder, not ear to shoulder, but chin to shoulder. And even though your eyes are closed, when you face the sun, the pupils constrict. And when you move away, they expand. And the constriction and expansion of the pupils really strengthens them. And as you have better fixation with your pupils, you see the print so much better. And so it's very important for us to practice that because I tell you, Susan, what's the alternative? Don't practice that. Let the muscles remain weak. The next thing that happens is cataract. So if you get, you know, farsighted in your 40s, you just put glasses because who cares? And then at the age of 55 or 60, you have cloudy lens. So then they remove the lens. And in 94% of the cases, they succeed but then there could be all kinds of problems after that, like double vision. In other, in other situations, um, they, um, uh, they, they um, cause blindness from those uh, uh, surgeries because in 6% of the cases, uh, there could be bleeding in the retina, there could be glaucoma attack, all kinds of problems. But thank God they succeed in so many of the surgeries, but then... Uh, there are always problems later on that they need to deal with as a result of doing those surgeries. But that's not the only reason. You want to keep your body as vital as you can all the time. And diversing from that thing, you know, for example, people think that they are healthy because they go to the gym. Now, the gym could be nice. You strengthen some muscles. But what we learn is to overuse some of our muscles and underuse many of them. We have more than 600 muscles in the body. And most people basically use between 50 and 75 of them. And what we really need to learn is to use more of our muscles with less strain. We need to isolate muscle groups on isolate movements. So, for example... Most people cannot move their toes one by one, but we step on them all the time. I teach people to do it. And uh, also, most people don't move their legs sideways. This is an exercise I gave yesterday. To stand up for just one minute, lift the legs sideways. People just got tired from that because they were not used to it. So learning to use what we never use is very helpful. Learning to separate muscle groups is very helpful, and um, I must say that um, until today, and I'm 68, I didn't have back pain ever, and uh, one of the reasons is isolating muscle groups. By the way, I'm announcing to you probably a year or two before it's ready, I'm working on a book which is called Taking Back Your Back, because I think we should take back our back, learn how to use the back better, and uh, we can do all kinds of exercise that can make a difference. Uh, what can you do for near vision? So, you see, uh, near vision, people can see so well sometimes, so they can see diamond print. 
but they cannot see so well far away. So, again, what we do for near vision is we teach people to slowly, slowly look at a distance without straining to see it. Again, look at details and try to inch the way forward. For example, to work more on what they can see in middle distance, like five feet away. I'm telling people, stand from the eye chart from a distance that is easy for you to see, but then look far at the distance and back at the eye chart. Look at details in the eye chart. So, for example, let's say that you see the first four lines, even from five feet, but you cannot see the bottom six lines. Well, uh, because they're smaller. You look at the spaces between the letters. That wakes up your macula. And so as you look at the spaces between the letters, uh, you start to look at smaller place, spaces. And then the fourth line, which was the smallest one you could see, become clearer. And then the line below it starts to appear. And so you improve yourself very well from five feet, and later on you'll stand from 10 feet and 15 feet and 20 feet. So uh, people with nearsightedness have to learn to look at a distance without seeing it well and not comparing them with gla- themselves with glasses and just look. And it makes all the difference in the world. And do we do the same for stigmatisms? For astigmatism, we have very special exercises where uh, two of them. One of them is similar to the farsightedness. We have a nice Tibetan chart that we put on the nose and we look at the Tibetan chart from line to line. But then there's another one where uh, I get people to cover most of the weaker eye, sorry, cover most of the stronger eye and look with, with the weaker eye from far and then very much from near from far and then very close from near. So, for example, they will look at a chart and then they will look at big headlines from very near. Back at the chart from, let's say, 10 feet or 20 feet and back from near. Far and near, far and near. And if you're near side and astigmatic, then it's from 5 feet. You know, So, again, you cover the strong eye and then you look at something near and then far, near and then far. That helps astigmatism. And then we have Another chart for astigmatism where we cover the strong eye and then we look at different numbers. They're first big and then they're small and smaller and smaller. Then we look back at the big numbers and then we take the cover off and we look with both eyes and we can definitely straighten the astigmatism. So I have three exercises for astigmatism, which um, the two of them are described at this point in my book, Vision for Life. Well, what can you tell us about helping the back? Because it sounds like you've delved into that pretty thoroughly. And so what can you tell us how we can help ourselves? Uh, You know, even at the age of 68, I can sit on all fours, get a person who weighs 300 pounds, have him stand on my lower back and move my lower back up and down, and there's no problem. The main thing is learn to use muscles you never used before. So I was talking to you about the toes and about the side muscles. So the point is, first of all, you want to make sure that you have full movement in your feet, that it's not only not stiff, but very limber and very strong, and that you have good movement in your thighs, and that you have good movement in your arms. And then you create isolation of muscle groups in your back. And then another thing you should know, 
that you have two enemies in life for your back, very bad enemies. One of them is your shoes, because there's nothing as bad as shoes on cement. That's why you should take them off whenever you can. If you have a carpet, if you go indoors, take them off. The other thing is if you can walk on the beach, that's one of my secrets. I should have back pain because I travel so much. And you know how cramped airplane seats are. And when you travel for 15 hours, I can see how people tense their back. Well, I don't. So what, um, what I do is I walk and run on the beach of San Francisco. It's kind of a cold beach, ocean beach, but it doesn't bother me. I run with a bathing suit and just uh, with, uh, with my feet. That really helps my feet, uh, my back a lot. So people can walk on grass or on sand, bare feet if they can, if there's no glass there, of course, um, and develop muscles uh, in their feet and in their ankles that can really help the hips. And people have to learn that when you bend, you tense your neck. So it's important to look up as in compensation. It's, uh, and then uh, let me talk to you about the second enemy. So first enemy is the shoes. So change them two or three times a day if you can, and take them off whenever it's safe and you can do it, especially if you have carpeted floor, grass, or sand. The other thing is, the other enemy you have is your chair. It's a real bad enemy because you create a lot of tension sitting on a chair. So every 20 uh, minutes, uh, stand up for 20 seconds, look up at the ceiling, grab your calf or your leg and pull it backwards. That's the opposite of sitting. So if you pull it backwards, you really stretch beautifully your thighs. So everyone at home, I'm really inviting you to stand up because you may sit and listen to the radio. So stand up, grab your leg, pull it backwards while looking at the ceiling. Do it for two breaths, one leg, two breaths, the other leg. And then you can see that actually sitting becomes more comfortable. And pay attention if you slouch, sit up straight. Now, another thing is we only walk forwards a lot. Let's also walk backwards. Like you look uh, backwards to see that, uh, that the backwards is open, but walk backwards. Um, it's also good to run forwards and backwards and sideways. So start to develop muscles you normally don't develop. And we need to relax the back muscles. I love to use Bunger Ball. Uh, we have it for sale in our website. But also, I like very much to use tennis balls. We lie on tennis balls, not on the vertebrae, but near the vertebrae, and we slowly straighten our back beautifully. So loosening the back is a wonderful art. Uh, it's good to get massage from time to time, but sometimes people get stiff for massage. When you lie on a massage table, Make sure the table is soft and make sure that the massage therapist moves you from side to side so you don't spend more than 10 minutes on one area. That will help the back. So being mobile, being flexible, that's very important. And that's what I teach in my seminars. I'll have one on Labor Day weekend where we work on vision, we work on better circulation. You know, one out of eight people in this world, has high blood pressure. And I think many people die from high blood pressure medications. 
how we need to really learn to reduce the blood pressure by loosening our shoulders and hip joints and getting more blood to come to our external limb. You can look at one of my podcasts when I was talking about high blood pressure. But we teach you how to have better circulation, how to uh, feel light and learn how to all kinds of signs that shows you that circulation is good or bad. For example, everybody knows if your feet are cold and your hands are cold, the circulation isn't that good. The solution is to loosen up the hips and the uh, shoulders so muscles will not squeeze the blood vessels and allow us to have better circulation. And so we, we work on that. We work on better joint mobility. We work on better uh, activity of the nervous system and increased balance. I'm very concerned that many people in an older age lose their balance and fall. I've met a wonderful 92-year-old who fell on her face, and this is an anecdote that repeats itself too many times, and we have to work on her and help her restore her capacity. So the issue is we should really, really learn to mobilize all we can to prevent back problems. And we can do that. And in my seminars, I'm saying we work on senses, including kinesthetic sense of the body, inner sense. We're living in an aspirin time when we try to feel nothing. Anytime you have pain, you try to numb it. What we have to do is feel it and relieve the reason for that pain, if we can. And so um, I, um, I would like to say that 90% of back problems could completely be prevented. And those who cannot be prevented could be ameliorated. What can you do for kyphosis or scoliosis? Yeah, so, uh, for example, with uh, scoliosis, we have wonderful bodywork technique of um, pulling the skin. I call it skin roll, you know, where we pull the skin and slowly we get the vertebrae to work together. We're also trying to create physiological evenness in the back, and I've seen vertebrae moving to the center, sometimes from 70 degrees aberration. We also, I also discovered that many, especially girls, could be also boys, that develop scoliosis in their teens don't have even calves. So we work on creating evenness in the calves and helping the vertebrae to be more central. And kyphosis uh, really uh, is important to work on uh, tennis balls to loosen up the, the back. But also, you know, again, I, that I'm not advising to the audience until I supervise it. But sometimes I get people to lie on a broomstick, and that straightens their back quite well. So I've seen many people coming to me with uh, kyphosis, and uh, you look at them a year later, and they're one centimeter or two centimeters taller because the kyphosis has straightened to a great extent. Where do you put that broomstick? On the vertebrae. But I'm not asking you to do it without my supervision. I need to see that you do it right, that you really distributed the, the pressure evenly. So, for example, I lie on a broomstick. I tilt my pelvis up so my lower back is really on the broomstick. I put my hands behind my head, and I lift the head up until the chin touches the chest, 
and I put the head back on the broomstick. And then when I feel that the whole spine is in the broomstick, none of the spine hurts because the pressure is evenly distributed. And at that point, uh, the back becomes straighter. And when you stand up, it, you feel so much lighter and easier to move. So again, broomstick is helpful for those that can do it. Some people cannot do it, and you have to do many in-between exercises. One of them, by the way, is to roll from side to side on the floor. Uh, rolling is fantastic because you start to use muscles you hardly used before. Another one, it depends on the strength of the person. Again, nothing is black and white. It's all in a shade of gray in that we need to find out what works for each individual. But often we get people to stand on hands and feet and pull their pelvis forwards and backwards. So again, it depends in the person, depends in the group. Even in every group, we pay attention to each individual. Even if I have 100 people in the group, I want to make sure that I know what happens to every individual in that group so they do the exercise correctly. Uh, balance is an important issue because as people get older, the balance gets poorer, and if they fall and break a hip, that's got a poor prognosis. I've experimented a little bit and found just try, I mean, trying to stand on one leg to see how what the balance is. I found just by walking on a straight line just for about three minutes, the balance improves markedly. So uh, what suggestions do you have for improving our balance? For one thing, your suggestion is wonderful, and I come completely agree with you. The other one is to walk backwards. And again, you, you move your whole body to the side to see that it's all empty there, like for example on the beach or in grass or in your corridor, and then you move your head to the other side. That also helps your balance, by the way. And then walking backwards. Another one is uh, to sit and to grab one leg and lift it up, to grab the other leg and lift it up, to grab both and lift it up and down. Another one, what I would do with you, Linda, is have you walk on my trampoline. Because if you walk on a long, on a big trampoline, I probably first would hold your hand and then let you walk yourself forwards and backwards. You may find that the give of the trampoline really helps you uh, to start and find your balance uh, when you are uh, on earth. And also walking in the beach or walking on grass is fantastic because you strengthen the calf muscles. And so anything can strengthen the calf muscles. If the audience stands at home and lift their toes up and down while the heels are on the ground, they can sense real tension in their shin muscles, or we call them tibialis anterior. So you, you, you strengthen the muscle there, and then you have balance in your calves and in your shins. And uh, that balance strengthens you. I work on many people with great balance problems, like with multiple sclerosis. And I learned that strengthening uh, calf and shin muscles is one of the main ways to get them to be balanced. Yeah, I'm in, my, in my experiments, I'm kind of surmising that it's, you know, like you say, walking on a trampoline. It's when your body is practicing trying to restabilize and you're shaking back and forth and trying to balance it. I, I suspect that that's the process that helps improve the nervous system and the communication. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to not always stay in our comfort zone. 
but to stretch it a bit, you know. So, of course, if you have balance problem, the last place you want to be in is a trampoline where the balance is being challenged. But then once you're able to manage the trampoline, when you go on earth, it feels so light and easy, right? Uh, if you walk on the sand, uh, you strengthen your calves. And that really affects your balance. If you sit and lift one leg and you have to stay in balance and not fall on your back when you sit, that really helps. If you lift both legs, holding your toes uh, or, or your legs, depends, depends on your body, of course, what you can do with it. That really affects your balance big time. And, of course, one of the things that I do with people who have very, very poor balance is take them to the pool where they can walk forwards and backwards and walk sideways, and they can, um, uh, they can fall in the water. Nothing happens if they do. And that really is a good way for them to start and feel more confident in the legs. So then out of the pool, we slowly, slowly can do exercises. And you couldn't say enough how important balance is, because once you reach your 70s, you really are at risk of falling and having a lot of problems. And that, that has to stop, and that has to stop to your early hundreds. You want to have good balance. How do you improve blood pressure? So uh, two kinds of um, problems that we have. You know, one is low blood pressure. Some people faint all of a sudden. They have low blood pressure. Uh, uh, and people will hate me for that advice, but especially in the summer, maybe you'd be okay with that. Take two or three cold showers a day, uh, and um, uh, that will increase the work of the heart and will get your pressure to be better. And, of course, do the normal thing I'm talking about, loosening up the hips, loosening up the shoulders, uh, moving them evenly in rotating motion. With high blood pressure, that one out of eight people, listen to this, a billion people, yeah? four times the amount of all the people who listen to Voice of America with all of its programs. Right? A billion people have a high blood pressure. It is silent. We don't know that we have it. So a few important things for us to, to do. Number one is dance. And dance in a very smart way. Lift your right arm with the left leg. Lift your left leg with, uh, with the uh, right arm, lift your um, uh, right leg with your left arm, up and down very quickly. You can stand against the wall and lift them up. Listen to some nice uh, rhythmical music as you do that. Uh, and do it for a good four minutes, two or three times a day. So that's the first thing that you do. The second thing that is important for you to do is to make sure that you know when your blood flows well or not. If you feel stiffer than normal, that means your blood doesn't flow well today. So do some things to loosen yourself up. If you feel fatigue, it means the blood doesn't flow well. And sometimes rest for 10 minutes and even sleeping for a minute or two in the middle of the day is a helpful thing for your blood pressure at that moment. Uh, also, exercising is so good for you. Running, uh, jumping, walking. Walking always reduces the blood pressure. You increase it as you walk, but it gets reduced when you're in a rest, resting uh, uh, time. 
making sure that your digestion is good, that your secretion is good. That helps the blood pressure a lot. Um, working on clarity of thoughts is very helpful to blood pressure. Not being engaged with a lot of thoughts that cause you worries and makes you feel very uncomfortable. That is so important for you to, to have a comfortable thoughts, working on having comfortable thoughts, and trying to um, stay away from uh, people who bring toxicity to your life. That's a very important thing, but building very good relationship with others. All that affects your blood pressure. So remember, warm hands and feet by loosening the shoulders and hip joints, and it's all in my book, Awakening Your Power of Self-Healing, and in my workshops, rubbing your feet, rubbing your hands to warm them up, um, massaging your face to make sure that the face gets enough circulation, massaging your, your uh, head, and also massaging your body is a fantastic thing for your blood pressure. And then uh, making sure that you're never too tired in the middle of the day, take a break, rest, and making sure that you exercise. I believe the best time to exercise is the morning, before breakfast even, you know, uh, to do exercises at least for half an hour uh, in the morning. Um, for example, me and my partner, before this show, we made sure that we had a nice walk uh, in the woods and loosen ourselves up. So then I would be focused and concentrated in this show. So walking, loosening, relaxing, and clearing your thoughts, that's the way to help blood pressure. Otherwise, medication can really kill you. Yeah, magnesium, I understand, can help. So tell us a little bit about your school for self-healing. Well, I formed the school because I have a very unique way of teaching. And we teach workshops for the public, like the Labor Day weekend, which is coming for three days. And people come from all over the world for that. We teach also um, a six-day I-class, which many people like very much. We teach also an extensive class for the eyes, which includes learning the structure and the function of the eye and becoming a coach to other people who want to work on their vision. And then doing training courses. I'll have a 12-day training course around April or May of next year. Uh, Then uh, I teach people by apprenticing with me and learning to work with other people. And uh, so it is uh, our school is there to help people to know uh, in practical ways how to improve the vision, how to reduce double vision or eliminate it, how to prevent cataracts from expanding and controlling it, how to prevent glaucoma from destroying your optic nerve by getting more circulation to your optic nerve and reducing the pressure with our work. So we do so many wonderful things for so many people who come to to us from every corner in the world to be helped. And I also travel to many corners of the world. Yeah, I I suspect that some of this information, some videos are on your website, but there are also, you can find some of them on Silicon Valley Health Institute website. That's 
S V is in Victor H I. So you can find some of his presentations there. So we've got three minutes left. So what's your vision about self healing? You know, how do we tap the great potential that we possess so that we can go toward optimal wellness and let people know how they can get a hold of you? You know, it's interesting that in the past we saw that medication can fix everything. Surgery can fix everything. But even the medical profession got to the understanding that you need to work on yourself to make things better. What they don't know is how to do it. That's what we teach. How to use the muscles you never used before so you can integrate between them and the muscles we always use. My vision is to influence the world enough that in the whole world of rehabilitation, they will adopt self-healing as the first approach they give to a person. So when you go to an optometrist, he or she would give you eye exercises as an alternative to glasses. And you will only wear glasses if that part failed. Then if you go to a physiotherapist before pushing a wheelchair on you or a cane, you will extensively get hours and hours of training to strengthen yourself. And before you go to the gym, you will learn about all the possibilities your body has so you will either have gyms with more possibilities or you will compensate for whatever gym taught you, whatever uh, yoga places taught you. So the idea is to build up kinesthetic, deep awareness of your needs. It will prolong your life and make the quality of your life so much better. I really hope to get to every home in the world, to every man, woman, and child, and teach them from young age. And that's what I'm doing in my back book, Taking Back Your Back, I'm trying to teach people from young age what they should do with themselves. So my vision is expansion. I'm so grateful to you, uh, Linda, uh, uh, Susan Down, uh, for, for interviewing me and for giving me the platform in the Silicon Valley uh, to speak with. It's, uh, there are wonderful people there, and you're, you've been doing wonderful work for years. So, Susan, uh, I hope that people will come to the different seminars we have. We have one on August 8th. And um, I hope that you will get my, uh, my workshops online. But the main thing is I hope to see you one way or another in your hometown or in San Francisco. And you can contact us by calling us at 415-665-9574 or 001. 415-665-9574-001 if you're from abroad, 415-665-9574 or www.self-healing.org. Best is to write to office manager at self-healing.org. Tell about your concern. We'll, we will uh, exchange letters and you'll see if you can come and work with us. Well, thank you. That's so informative and there's so much rich information on how we can get our body to do the healing that it needs to do and go toward wellness. So thank you very much. Please, folks, share this with your friends, share it with your physician, and above all, be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week.